0: work on boats that transport different goods around, you know, different parts of the world. So we like to travel across the ocean. So I've been everywhere. I'm not going to say exactly where we were, but it had been a few days since we took off from shore. The next boat behind us took off four hours after we did. This was the time of the year where we run into a lot of ice islands or glaciers. So we were used to this. This time it was a little different. I remember us doing our usual and all of a sudden we hit something. We always graze ice, but we continue to move. This time we hit it and it stopped almost immediately. It was in the middle of the night. So we looked overboard and we couldn't see anything. So we shined our big spotlight on what was in the way and it was a big ice chunk. We also noticed a huge hole in the side of the ship and water was rushing in didn't notice that the ship was sinking. We knew another ship was coming this way so we felt okay with what was happening because we knew that ship can help us. We got in contact with that ship and they said they were actually five hours away and not four. The ship was sinking at a rapid pace so we all exited the ship and got onto a huge ice island. There were about 20 of us on this big chunk of ice just watching the ship sink. An hour went by and one of the other workers asked, What's that? Everyone spotted what he was talking about. We all saw two glowing eyes on a head that was slightly sticking out of the water. It was just floating there. We could tell that it was eyeballs because of the moonlight. It had to be at least 300 feet away from us. So as we're standing there, there were at least five small ice islands between us and whatever that was in the water. But it wasn't moving. We all watched it as it was watching us watch the boat. So some of us quit paying attention to it, and another hour goes by. Then someone yells out that it was moving. Everyone looks at it again, and those eyes were moving closer to us in the water, with that head halfway out of the water. At this time, it gets to an ice island, and it stops. It doesn't get on the island. It's still far away from us but it's closing in. Then we see it get out of the water and it climbs on the island. Then one of the guys says, Oh my God, that, that's a polar bear. It stood there and it stared at us. It was sniffing in the air. It was trying to figure us out. Then it walks forward and then it jumps back into the water and begins to swim toward us again. It was closing in, but then it stopped again. It was just watching us. So it watched us for about 20 minutes. Then it began to swim again, and at this time, the sun was coming up and we could clearly see that its head was sticking out of the water. And when it came upon another island, it climbed up on it and began to watch us even more. At this time, it was about a hundred feet away from us. It had to be about two more islands before it got to us. Everyone was afraid and at this time, it was moving slowly and that helped ease our anxiety, honestly. We knew that the other boat would be there in about two hours at this point. Then the bear jumps back into the water and it swims toward us, but at this time it was going at a faster pace. It climbs on the island next to ours and everyone on our island runs to the opposite side of our island, but there was nowhere else to go after that. We couldn't jump in the water because we'd freeze to death. Then it stares for a few seconds, and then it jumps back into the water. And it swims, and then it climbs onto our ice island. But it was going slowly. As soon as it gets to our piece of ice, it just stands there and it stares at us. Everyone was freaking out. Then it starts walking toward us. And out of nowhere, it became very aggressive and running toward us and making noises, grunting. We were all moving and trying to stay away from it. Then I heard something as I was running that I would never forget. There was this guy named William. He began to scream in a way that I can still hear it in my head today. I looked back and the polar bear had him. It was clawing at him on top of him. Then he stops making noises and he quits moving. But the polar bear continued to do what it was doing. We knew he was dead. Then it took his body in the water then onto the next ice island and it feasted. It did it slowly, very slow. The worst part of it is that the polar bear never took his eyes off of us as it ate. So it was pretty much telling us that we were next and there was nothing that we could do about it. Another hour went by and it stopped. There was red everywhere. The polar bear was not white anymore. It began to walk toward the edge of the ice island it was on then we heard a loud horn we looked in the distance and it was another ship it was the ship that we were talking about the polar bear stopped then it turned and looked at the ship then began to walk toward the edge again then the ship blew the horn again over and over they noticed what was happening the bear stopped and it turned then it looked at us then it looked at the ship again And they just stood there, looking back and forth. Then it turned away from us, jumped in the water, and simply just swam away. We all just sat there staring at William on the other ice island, as it didn't even look like him. He was lifeless. Everyone was crying or they were in shock. Eventually the other ship came and got us. We retrieved what was left of William and we got out of there. That day mentally scarred everyone who was there. And it's something that we can't forget. One of my fondest memories as a kid happened during my 12th birthday party. It wasn't really a good party as I didn't have many friends. So it was just me, my dad, and a few friends from the neighborhood. What actually made that day a great memory was the birthday present I got from my dad, a black nine mm pistol. Looking back on it now, I can recall the shocked looks on faces of other parents as I knew they were all asking the question, what kind of father gives his 12 year old son a gun for his birthday present? But I didn't care about any of that as I love that thing with all my heart. Ever since that day, I became obsessed with guns. I never really made new friends throughout high school, because all I wanted to do was shoot or talk about weapons. Most people who met me always tried to talk me out of my gun collecting hobby as they called it a misguided passion. All their effort to convince me was like pouring water on a rock as I knew nothing was going to take away my affinity for guns. But after my experience on the 12th of February, 2007, my mindset was forever changed. The day started like every other day. I attended my morning college classes and when I was done, I went to the shooting range to test out my new guns. After that I went home and I realized that I was running low on supplies. So around 6 p.m. I made my way to the closest mall, which was the Trolley Square Mall in Salt Lake City, Utah. I arrived around 6.41 p.m. and after parking my car in the mall's parking garage, I started to make my way inside when I heard the sound of a shotgun. Shocked, I slowly turned around to see that a man who was wearing a trench coat and a white t-shirt had attacked and shot an elderly man and his son. I had never seen someone shoot a human being before, so the sight made me freeze on the spot. I then watched in horror as the young boy managed to get away, but the elderly man who couldn't move, as he now on the floor was shot in the back and head. I instantly knew that the man was dead as I could tell that his assailant was using a 12 gauge pump shotgun and I knew no one could survive a shot from that range. His assailant then started to make his way inside and even though I was completely frightened, I knew I had to do something. I ran inside the mall screaming and I told everyone to call 911. Someone has been killed. People in the mall looked at me with perplexed faces as I'm sure they all thought I was throwing a prank or being delusional. Since that didn't work, I started to frantically look for my phone so I could call 911. But that's when another two dim sounding shots were heard. Most people started to notice something was wrong now, although some still weren't convinced that it still wasn't a prank. I finally managed to find my phone and right as I was about to dial 911, I heard two loud shots coming from the entrance doors directly behind me. Before I could do anything, I felt a searing pain ripple through my body as I fell to the floor. I couldn't feel the lower part of my left arm and when I looked at it, I realized that I'd been shot. The mall then went into a frenzy as people started to run and hide. I was completely frightened, but I still found the strength to run. I hid behind a pillar before, slowly looking around to see if it was the same man who had fired the earlier shots in the mall's garage parking lot, and it was. I watched him walk into the mall as he scanned the area. He's scanning. The man then shot at a security guard, but he missed the shot, as the man managed to get away. After that, he turned in the opposite direction and made his way down the hallway. As I hid there, I could hear repeated gunfire coming from the direction that guy had gone. I couldn't find my phone anywhere as I realized I had dropped it when I fell during the earlier commotion. I didn't want to do it, but I had no choice. So I reached for the black nine millimeter pistol that I always carried around with me. It took me a while to get the courage, but I knew I had to do something. So ignoring the pain from my bleeding arm, I followed the sound of the gunshots. I don't think I will ever forget the morbid scenes I saw as I followed this guy. He had left a gruesome trail of dead bodies and I honestly had to stop myself from screaming at every sight. The first thing I saw was the corpse of a woman. She was just laying there lifeless. As I kept following his trail, I heard another gunshot followed by the shatter of glass. I rushed to the scene. It was a car store called Cabin Fever and I saw an elderly woman lying face down, shards of broken glass. I could clearly see the assailant now, as I watched in horror as he pointed his gun at three people who were in front of the store, one of them was a young child. He couldn't see me as I was in a secluded area, so I readied my gun to shoot. I don't know why, but I hesitated as I I had been shooting guns all my life, but at this moment, my hands were shaking vigorously, and I couldn't pull the trigger. So I just watched in fear as he squeezed the trigger three different times. The man then left the store to reload his gun, and a woman who I assume was the mother of the little girl started to crawl toward her, still moving child. I wanted to do something, anything, but I truly couldn't move. It didn't take long before the man came back, and with no hesitation, he did it again. But now, that woman was shot also. As soon as that man left, I threw up. I cursed myself for not being able to shoot the guns I admired all my life. But even then, I knew why I didn't do it as I knew I would be no different from him if I did. I had seen them shoot people in movies numerous times, but nothing compared to seeing it in real life. I felt nothing but repulsion for the gun I had in my hand. So now I just dropped it and I watched it fall to the floor. My mind couldn't take it anymore so I started to make my way out of there. It didn't take long before I saw a police officer. He asked me if I was alright but before I could speak I collapsed to the floor. I had lost a lot of blood now but I was still conscious. I then heard numerous gunshots to my right and Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the cops had found the assailant. The man was surrounded now, but he kept firing his gun. Then the cops quickly returned fire and within minutes, the man dropped dead. When it was all over, I was taken to the hospital by the paramedics. Luckily, I was only shot in the arm. So apart from the blood loss, I was just in critical condition. The Trolley Square shooting shook everyone in the state of Utah and the entire United States. Over six people were killed and four injured. The gunman, who was identified as Suleiman Talibig, was the person responsible for it. Numerous investigations were carried out into his life by the cops. If they wanted to find the motive behind the ghastly act after all their efforts, nothing was found. Apparently the assailant's aunt and family were all shocked as we were. I stopped following the case after that as I wanted to move on and heal from the incident. I eventually sold all the guns in my collection. As something that once brought me joy and excitement now made me feel fear and repulsion. I also tried to get my father to give up on his obsession with guns but he didn't agree. This has caused a lot of problems in our relationship as there's now a huge rift between us. It's been 15 years since the incident and looking back on it now, all it took was a couple of minutes to see firsthand what guns I love so much were capable of doing in the wrong hands. This happened to my mom and I when I was a kid. It was around the late 80s. I must have been around seven or eight years old at the time. I lived in the Bronx, New York, and I was born and raised there. My mom told me this story when I was older though. Back in the 1980s in New York, there was a serial killer on the loose, roaming around looking for his victims. He carried a hammer, so they called him Hammer Man. He would attack his victims with a hammer, killing them or severely hurting them. The cops were looking for him, so all of New York were warned about him. This is what my mom told me. We had just left my grandma's house and it was late around seven or eight at night, probably later. My mom and I would always take this shortcut through the small park, but that night we were walking and it was dark and scary. We were walking fast trying to make it home. Now this may sound cliche, but my mother heard some light laughing and some sounds as if if there was someone near us. When my mom turned around, she saw a man hiding behind a tree, but she could actually see him even though it was dark. She told me to walk faster. and She looked back again and saw the man was behind us, walking at a high speed, trying to catch up to us. But he was laughing for some reason. She said he was holding something in his hand and it looked like a hammer. So right away she knew it was Hammerman. Man. And she started to run and shout and scream while holding my hand and dragging me. I was a big seven or eight-year-old, so my mother couldn't carry me, so she actually drugged me. Literally, she was dragging me across the ground. I was pretty slow, so she had to do that. She saw a couple, and it was a man and a woman, and they were walking ahead of us. She yelled and caught their attention. She was shouting that it was the hammer man, and he's behind us. The couple turned, and they looked behind us, but he had already ran away. My mom told me that if it wasn't for that couple that was walking there that night, that there's no telling what could have happened to us. We could have been his next victim. Now, I know this story sounds crazy and it's short, but this is a true story. And now I'm an adult and I've never forgotten about that night. I can't remember if they ever caught him or, or not, but I know I'm lucky and thankful to be here to tell this story.